It's Beer O'Clock, the hoppiest happy hour of the week. Brought to you by the Horse Brass Pub, the heart of Birvana for more than 38 years. I'm Lisa Morrison, the beer goddess, and I am your loyal barkeep in our virtual pub where we meet once a week to celebrate great beer. Our show is filled to the rim with great stuff today, so pull up that bar stool, grab a pint, and sit right down next to me here at the bar because we are going to talk beer for the next hour. Now, here's what's on tap. Groundbreaker Brewing. They've been making award-winning gluten-free beer for a few years now, and now they want to can it. Groundbreaker has just launched a Kickstarter campaign to purchase a canning line so that they can put their certified gluten-free creations in 12-ounce cans. Founder James Neumeister joins us here in just a bit to tell us about the Kickstarter campaign and their plans for cans. Our homebrew guru, Duke Guerin, joins us this month to answer your beer and brewing questions. How about making an Easter-themed beer with Peeps? Yes, Peeps, those marshmallowy Easter basket staples. Duke tells us how we could do it. If we should do it is another question. And he also answers viewers' questions about preparing to grow hops in your backyard and how to culture yeast from a favorite bottle of beer to use in your own homebrew. Duke joins us in the second half of the show. Our Beer of the Week is a collaboration between two Central Oregon breweries, Good Life and Terminal Gravity. It's called G2, and it marks the first time in a long time that Terminal Gravity has collaborated with another brewery. We will learn more about this latest collaboration in our last call segment. But for starters, Belmont Station's chief bottle opener, Carl Singmaster, is here to share his tasting notes on some bottled beers we should be on the lookout for and check out in and around the um, the area. Hi, Carl. Good afternoon, Beer Goddess. Oh, my goodness. I can't believe they're already talking Easter, but it's, it is just really around the corner. And I'm anxious to see how you make beer out of peeps. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure there are no peeps used or damaged, destroyed, whatever, in the beers that I'll be discussing this <laughs> afternoon. Well, it is a fermentable sugar, I guess. So when you think about it, it could happen. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. might might be a pretty sticky mash. I don't know. It very well could be, I think. And, and it, you know, depending upon which color of peep you use, it could be very interesting looking as well. <laughs> but we'll get to that in a little bit. Let's get started with some of the beers you got for us today. Well, we've got a beer in a bright green can. Oh, I think I know which one you might be talking about. Uh, the, it's the Little Green Dry Hop Session Saison from Flattail. Yes, I, I loved that beer. What was it, like two summers ago when it first came out? It and, was in bottles then. Yeah, yep, and now it's in cans. How nice, because that's, that's going to be a great fit for a can, I think. Uh, I think it's a really good choice. Yeah. Seeing more and more cans, and we haven't had many quite like this. Yeah. And, well, I mean, Little Green Dry Hop Session Saison, that's quite a mouthful. It's a lengthy descriptor, but it really does let you know exactly what to expect. Yes. Uh, well, well, Little Green, though, it's really clear, pale yellow. It's not green <laughs> at all. So not fit for St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> no. So uh, the dry hopping part, well, that's apparent because there's some citrus and pine in the nose, fairly mm-hmm. prominent. Mm-hmm. And also the Saison part, um, that. That peppery character, that yes. hits your nose as well. Yeah. You know, that like fresh ground pepper type quality that comes from those uh, yeasts, yeah. Saison yeast. Those lovely Saison yeasts, yum. Welcome so much, yes. Mm-hmm. And the session part of the descriptor is evident because it's very light-bodied. And along with being light-bodied, there's a nice little sweet, citrusy, fruity tang to the, uh, the body of the beer. Nice. And then the finish, it provides the... Uh, a little bit more of that peppery quality, grassy peppery quality, and a very nice hoppy dry out. Nice. So beautiful beer to have in a six-pack can, 4.2% ABV. That's the session part. 
which means uh, it's going to be a great beer as we approach uh, spring and summer, which we almost kind of had this <laughs> No this kidding. Flat Tail's little green dry hop session stays on once again. Oh, yeah. I can see myself sticking a um, six-pack of that in the river and doing a little rafting or something like that. Sounds awesome. <laughs> Good stuff. And uh, what else do you have for us today, Carl? Uh, i got a beer that uh, would seem to have been the perfect beer for the just past Valentine's Day, so maybe I'm a little behind. Uh, you know, it's all it, every day should be Valentine's Day. So, <laughs> yeah, <that's true. laughs> yes. with my love, it is. Yes. Anyway, <laughs> hopefully my wife's listening. Yeah, right. I mean, I mean it, honey. <laughs> he means it, Amy. <laughs> it's, it's an imperial stout. This beer is. It's got massive amounts of Belgian chocolate and strawberries. Ooh. And it's sealed with red wax that's embedded with colorful party favor flecks. Oh, really okay. Nice. I don't normally like wax, but this one's really pretty. Seems like it'd be perfect for Valentine's Day, but they named the beer Red Light District. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, even in Portland, I don't think prostitution is one of the prominent subjects of no, the day on Valentine's Day. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> kind of the so, anti. Okay, therefore, it's best left till after Valentine's Day. <laughs> That's why I waited till Valentine's Day passed. Ah, I got it. The beer's from Burnside. Uh-huh. Red Light District, well, you know what? I forgot one more thing. On top of the chocolate and strawberries and all that, it's uh-huh. also been aged in rum barrels. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Wow. There's a all, lot going on in that beer. All kinds of stuff. Yeah. And what do you get? You get a huge strawberry aroma and a palette of sweet strawberry, white and milk chocolate, and a splash of vanilla and rum. Ooh. Very soft, surprisingly light-bodied imperial stout. There's, like, no noticeable hop resonance. Hmm. So it, not even in the nose or in the body. Mm-hmm. So it's uh, sweet, light-bodied, a lot of that chocolate, and the finish is strawberries dipped briefly, just briefly, in milk chocolate. Mm. Burnside's Red Light District available for a limited time. That sounds really delicious. That sounds like dessert to me. It is. <laughs> it very much is. Yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. Definitely. And we're talking with Carl Seamaster, Belmont Station's chief bottle opener, who is bringing us some great tasting notes on some of the beers we should be on the on the lookout for. Some stuff we ought to check out for sure. What else do you have, Carl? Well, Ten Barrels, highly acclaimed dub, double IPA, mm-hmm. with us again. Yes. This dub is one of the most outrageously magnificent hop bombs ever. <laughs> I mean, the label warns you if you don't like hops, this will ruin your day. <laughs> not not just a not just your your palate for a couple of minutes, well, but your whole yes, day. <laughs> I, I agree. I'd say it ruins your palate, and uh, I'd also say it's a ruination. I'll happily undertake any day. No kidding, you and me both, sir. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, the dub. It really is all about hops. Pungent, dank, herbal, and tropical fruit assaults your nose. Wow. Take a sip. There's a resinous, hoppy grip on your palate. A little bit of citrus, a little onion, and a strident bitterness that rides right through to a juicy, lingering, um, may we say hoppy? <laughs> the hophead stream really is dub from Ten Barrel. And, you know, anecdotally, just from the viewpoint of Belmont Station, the last time dub was released, it flew out of the store. Yeah. This time, not so fast. Huh. We all know what's changed. Yes, indeed. ship of Ten Barrel, now part of Anheuser-Busch InBev, and Folks like you and I get asked almost daily now if we think uh, we'll see a lot more acquisitions like those of Ten Barrel and Elysian. And I had been saying absolutely, but you know what? There's one thing that could stop it, and that's consumer rejection. Right. But hey, you haters, 
don't buy the dub because that just means there'll be more for me. <laughs> <laughs> and if dub were uh, weren't nine point eight percent, it would be in my daily diet until it's gone. Wow, that great! Can't huh? have a nine point eight percent beer every day. Not every day, no. Unless you're sharing it with the four or five people, maybe. <laughs> I'll, drink, I'll drink it anytime. Well, I definitely share one with you anytime as well. That sounds wonderful. Great stuff. Uh, what else do you have? I think we have time for at least one more. Okay. Speaking of hops, the technologically, environmentally savvy brewers at Sierra Nevada, mm-hmm. they're constantly looking at new ways to create hoppiness. Ah, uh, yes. So in their new Hop Hunter IPA, they're using hop oil that was created by a proprietary distillation of farm fresh, or what we would call wet hops. Yes. Just picked hops. So what it is, it's an attempt to capture that bright, oily, fresh hop character that we all love and usually experience here in the fall when mm-hmm. the wet hops are thrown right into the brew. Right. But they attempt this way to preserve it and employ it long after hop harvest. Yeah, which is a great idea. Yeah, and sure enough, pop the top of Hop Hunter and take a whiff, and you're immediately transported to a hop farm. It's as though you're rubbing just picked hops in your fingers. Ah, I love that. You know, enough said about that. I don't have to describe the rest of the beer, just to say it's a beautifully balanced IPA, lovely hop character, something that folks should try now. Get one because it's fresh. Mm-hmm. It's been released in the last few weeks, and you will enjoy the juicy hop flavor. Sounds delicious. And that one again is? That is Hop Hunter from Sierra Nevada. Hop Hunter IPA with that yeah. distilled fresh hop goodness. <laughs> yeah, and they don't give away too much of the process. I'm sure some people have investigated, you know, exactly what they're doing. But there yeah. is a, a little not that informative video on their site awesome. about that process. Thank you, Carl. Cheers. More, more beer clock right after this. Hi, folks. Chris Nettinger here, owner and brewmaster at Hopworks Urban Brewery. When you pick up a bottle of Hopworks beer or visit one of our brew pubs, you can rest assured that we've made every effort to give you an environmentally thoughtful alternative. Come on in to Hopworks Urban Brewery on Southeast Powell and the new Hopworks Bike Bar on North Williams and explore a menu filled with organic vegetables and hormone-free meats. And, of course, our world-class organic beer. Our amazing food, service, and beer are some of the best you'll find anywhere. So relax, enjoy, and raise a pint to living with purpose at Hopworks Urban Brewery. In Viking mythology, there was a god named Loki, the bad boy of the spirit world, brewing up havoc wherever he went. In Oregon, we have our own Loki, Fearless Brewing Company's Loki Red Ale, made from the magical waters of the Clackamas River. Named one of the top 10 beers in Portland by Willamette Week in their 2013 Beer Guide, Loki Red promises rich complexity with just the right amount of bitterness. Fearless Loki Red Ale in 16-ounce cans at all of your better retail locations. Fearless, the beer that made Estacada famous. Did you know that Lompoc Beer has been brewing great local beer for more than 15 years? Hi, I'm Lompoc Head Brewer Brian Kilty. Whether you're enjoying a C-note on the outdoor patio at the Hedge House, a Lompoc Special Draft, and a bowl of our award-winning chowder at the Lompoc Tavern, or a new seasonal at any of our convenient locations, you can drink in the knowledge that each pint of Lompoc beer is made locally and served at its peak. So come on down to one of our Lompoc locations and bring your friends and family. And find out for yourself why we always say Lompoc beer means local beer. It's Beer O'Clock, the show for people who love great beer. 
brought to you by the Horsebrass Pub, the heart of Birvana for 38 years. I'm Lisa Morrison, and I'm tending bar in our virtual pub. We meet here once a week at this time to talk beer on great radio stations around the Pacific Northwest. And you can also catch us live streamed at this time on KXL.com anywhere on the planet. Plus, our doors are open 24-7, which means that you can join us for a pint any time of the day or night on our podcasts on iTunes and SoundCloud or on KXL.com. And however you get here, thanks for talking beer with us. Well, many of us are familiar with Groundbreaker Brewing, an award-winning certified gluten-free brewery in Portland that also has a gluten-free gastropub. Well, the news is Groundbreaker is canning it. Their beer, that is. They have just embarked on a Kickstarter crowdfunding campaign to uh, raise money to get the equipment upgrades and canned shells that they need to get started. And founder James Neumeister is here to tell us more. Hi, James. Hi, Lisa. So uh, congratulations, first of all, on getting this Kickstarter off the ground. Thank you. Yeah. So uh, what made you decide to go with Kickstarter for this portion of your expansion? Um. I wanted me to decide to go with Kickstarter. Um, it, it's just, I guess, an opportunity to connect with our public. And, um, you know, this is a thing that we've been asked about since the minute we opened, and we're asked every single day about it. Wow. <laughs> um, our, our fans really want it. And um, this, this, this is a great way for us to make it happen. Yeah, no doubt. That's amazing that so many people were asking for, um, for canned, uh, your, your, your beer in cans. Well, not necessarily cans, but a 12-ounce container. Oh, I see. It was the 12-ounce part that was the biggest part, huh? Yeah. Cause, because and previously your beers are, have been available in bottles, but in 22-ounce bottles, right? Correct, yes. Yeah. And it, the canning route is just so much more attainable for a small craft brewery than the bottling. Yeah? They're going with a 12-ounce bottle, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, you know, there's there. I think there are probably a lot of other reasons why people are, I mean, we're seeing more and more beers in cans. So, mm-hmm. there. what are some of the other things that you think cans um, will make uh, make your beer a good a good uh, vessel for your beer, as it were? Well, they're, they're safely portable. They're great for, like, camping, taking to the beach, you know, situations where you, where you may not want to have a lot of glass around. Mm-hmm. Um, they're very light, uh, easy to carry, you know, and if you were going to pack them or something like that. Yeah. Um, they also, they, they, you know, they maintain the freshness of the beer a little bit longer. A bottle cap isn't the greatest seal in the world. Right. And, um, and they, you can't keep all the light out no matter, you know, how brown the bottle is. Right. That's true. So, so they, 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 they keep the, they keep, you know, they're like a mini keg. They're like <laughs> a little keg and they just keep it really nice. Yeah, definitely. And, um, which beers will um, original will first go into cans? Do you have one or two you're going to be putting in there? Or? We um, plan to launch with two. One of them, our most popular beer, which is our um, our 60 IBU IPA, mm-hmm. and um, also a new beer that we've developed that um, we've been you know working with in our pub for a long time called a Lolly, which is a, a lighter um, berry beer. Um, made with blackberries, and it's going to be a, a great price for people. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's it's kind of our um, you know summer day beer. Oh, nice! Yeah, definitely. And um, this is something you guys have actually like had in the gastro pub before, right? Yeah, we've been we've been tweaking this recipe for about a year. Awesome. What's the story behind the name Olali? Olali is a Chinookan word for berry. Really, um, I did not know that. That's yeah. cool. If you want to get really nerdy, the you know, um, in Chinookan, when you say a word twice, it means it's really small of that. So when people say a lollyberry, 
as a sort of Oregon history nerd, I hear them like saying tiny berry. (laughs) Got it. (laughs) So little bitty berries. (laughs) Yeah. I love that, though. That's a great that's a great name for something like that. And uh, what kind of berries do you put in it? We use um, blackberries, Oregon-grown blackberries. Oh, that sounds delicious. So it sounds like a really great beer to be putting in cans. Now, tell us how things are going with the Kickstarter um, project. When did you guys kick, literally kick that off? <laughs> um, it's been seven days, and we are 25% of the way there. Nice. And and they typically run, what, about a month-ish? Or? Yeah, I think ours is 29 days long. Okay, very nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds like you guys are getting there. Um what do what will what will you use that money for? What do you need that money for to um, get these beers into cans? Um, there's a there's a lot of upfront costs, and they kind of stack up. Um, we'll be seeking certification for the canned beers, right? Um, as we have in our bottles, there's a lot of costs associated with that. There's some gear we're buying. We are going to start filtering the beers that we're canning um, to ensure that there's not a sediment in the small you know can that you can't see. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, there's a there's equipment, and then there's a lot of just upfront um, purchases that have to be made for um, you know the first run, I guess what you would say. Yeah, yeah, definitely getting getting the the can labels approved and all that sort of stuff too, right? Yeah, yeah. So once the first order's in, it's sort of self perpetuating. But um, this is just to get that that first time through out of the gate and get us going. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, why you said that, that it's easier to get into cans now as a smaller brewery than bottles. That used to not be the case. What has changed? There's some really great um, canning equipment being made by a few different manufacturers in the U.S. that's small scale, that's portable. Um, it takes up a very tiny amount of room. Th- those kinds of machines didn't really exist. when um, Listening to like Caldera was one of the very, very first craft breweries to can, yeah. they they had to buy one of these old machines that had come from like a Budweiser or a Coors and modify it and get it to work in their little tiny scale. <laughs> um, nowadays, though, there there are a lot of great options for doing that. Nice. And do you have to buy a whole lot of the, the actual shells or cans, too, or how does that work? Yeah, you have to buy these two incredibly huge pallets. <laughs> Um, they're like twenty feet tall. Oh my yeah. gosh, that's a uh, lot of cans. I don't know, they're not that tall, but they're they're probably like twelve feet tall. They're they're pretty they're pretty mountain. Wow, that seems like a lot of cans. But uh, yep. hopefully, you guys will be filling them up. What's the uh, what's the minimum that people can uh, contribute to be part of your Kickstarter campaign? A dollar. A dollar. Wow, that's amazing. And do you get a little something for that? Um. You, you get our appreciation. <laughs> but there are some other nice gifts for some of the bigger contributions, right? Sure, yeah. There's there's gifts starting at $5. Ah, got it, got it. And people can go to the Kickstarter website. Just I, I guess the easiest way would be to just like go to kickstarter.com and then search for Groundbreaker, right? Yeah, that would be a great way to find it. Excellent. Sounds good. Well, really, really, I mean... I'm excited for you guys to get um, get your beer in cans. The Olali sounds amazing, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, seeing that Kickstarter campaign. And uh, hopefully, you can get those uh, those beers in cans. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, James. And uh, we'll have more beer clock right after this on the Radio Northwest Network. 
1,300 beers. That got your attention, eh? Well, that's how many different beers are available daily at Belmont Station. Not to mention 150 ciders and 75 meats. And with all the seasonals and limited editions, that huge selection changes weekly. Yet as impressive as those numbers are, it's quality, not quantity, that sets Belmont Station apart. We carefully rotate and store every bottle that comes our way, so you know you're getting the best that's available. Plus, our knowledgeable and passionate team members love helping you find something special. Whether you're looking for beers from a particular country, choosing gifts, or just finding out what's new and exciting. 1,300 beers. Yeah, that's impressive. But at Belmont Station, there's one number that really does matter to us. 17 years. That's how long Belmont Station has been Portland's source for better beer, cider, and mead. Visit Belmont Station. Have a pint in our cozy beer cafe. Sip your way into our shop and pick out bottles, cans, and growlers to go. Belmont Station. 45th and Stark in Southeast Portland. It's Beer O'Clock, the show for people who love great beer. Brought to you by the Horse Brass Pub, the heart of Beervana for more than 38 years. I'm Lisa Morrison, the beer goddess. You know, you can raise a pint with us here each week on great radio stations just like this one. Thanks to the Radio Northwest Network, we are heard all across the Pacific Northwest on our mothership, FM News 101 KXL in Portland and KFLS 1450 AM in Klamath Falls, KMED 106.7 FM and AM 1440 in Medford, KTIL 1590 AM in Tillamook, and KYRS 92.3 and 88.1 FM in Spokane. Well, it's time to raise a pint with our homebrew guru, Duke Guerin of F.H. Steinbart Homebrew Supply, who comes in once a month to answer your beer and brewing questions. And Duke, I got to say, there are some real stumpers and some interesting questions this time around. But you know, before we get started, I just want to take a moment and thank you for joining us once a month, as you have for the last few years now. Listeners might know by now that we are closing the doors to our virtual pub at the end of the month. So this is our last time to do the show together. But I'm sure that our paths will continue to cross along the ale trail. It's been a lot of fun and very educational. So thank you so much, Duke. I've, I've really enjoyed it, and I thank you so much for letting me be a part of this. It's yeah. been just so much fun. Yeah, I mean, six years we've been doing this. It's pretty darn amazing. And uh, I, it's just so much fun to run into people. And uh, like the guy that delivered flowers to my door for Valentine's Day uh, let me know that he listens to the show every week. So, it's, Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, it was really cool. It was really nice to hear from him. And uh, everybody else is coming out and saying, you know, thanks so much for what, what we've been doing here. So thanks for being a part of that. I appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you. Let's get started on some of these questions. Uh, the first person wants to know, says, I want to grow hops this year. When should I plant them? And especially, I think, this time this year with this warm weather, that's probably more of a, a, um, a bigger question than usual. And then um, where do I find the hops? And I have room for two varieties. What would you recommend and why? So right now you're probably going to find most places that are taking pre-orders for hop rhizomes. And and hop rhizomes are basically just a a small cutting of the hop plant's root, Mm -hmm. Um, about six to eight inches long, generally speaking. Kind of looks like a little uh, tuber or something, Just like a little cutting. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And so, you know, you're going to take that um, when they come in. And, you know, I imagine with this warmer weather, they're probably going to be coming in a little bit earlier than usual. Yeah. So I, I would, you know 
plant them as soon as you they call you and tell you that they're ready. Pick them up and then plant them right away. So I'd make sure you have a spot ready to go. Oh, uh, there you go. On, yeah, plant these guys. You want southern exposure, maximum amount of sunrise. Um, you want to try and plant these guys in a little mound above ground, above grade. Um, they drink a lot of water, but they don't like to be sitting in it. So uh, a mound of, of soil, pea gravel, vermiculite that will drain really well goes Got a it. long way towards helping them have a good, healthy start. Yeah, especially uh, in, our, um, in our soil. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. No kidding. Um, as far as varieties, I always usually recommend going for flavor and aroma varieties. Mm-hmm. Um, you can most certainly grow bittering varieties, but the problem is, is without sending some samples to a lab to have tested, which can be kind of expensive, you have no way of knowing what the percent of alpha acids of those hops are. So the alpha acid very, being what makes it bitter, right? That's correct. Yeah, yeah. the bittering so you, agent. You don't know how much you're getting, you know, whether it's high or whether it's low, and it's going to vary from year to year anyway. So mm-hmm. That's why I was pick something that you can throw in at the tail end of the boil or dry hop with. Cascade's a good choice. Um, you know, English varieties I'm really fond of, you know, Fuggles, Goldings, those all make really good varieties for, for throwing into beers mm-hmm. um, as flavor and aroma additions. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's kind of where I would go with that. Nice. Well, and the other part that's nice about that, too, is that's the thing that most, like, most people first notice about a beer. So you could be like, yeah, I grew that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so that's kind of nice. It. Why yeah, not? exactly. For sure. Well, sounds good. I'm looking forward to growing some more hops this year, too. So that's helpful for me. Next question. I just botched a batch of homebrew. How many times have I said that? Wondering <laughs> if you could share a brewing mistake or two that you've made in the past and what you did to correct it or what you learned. Oh, good Lord. What, what <laughs> mistakes haven't I made homebrewing? Yeah, right, right. Um, I, I think if you haven't, if, you, if you're not constantly making mistakes, you're not learning. Yeah, it's um, true. So, I mean, I've done everything from forgetting to add um, dry malt extract additions to boost the alcohol. I've forgotten hop additions. Um, I've gone from the boil kettle through the chiller and into the fermenter and not realized that the ball valve on the fermenter was open, and so it's leaking all over the patio. Oh, uh, yeah. I had, oh, one, yeah. I had a similar one like that one time. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you name it, and I've done it. I always joke when I teach the all-grain brewing class that when I point out these things that are simple mistakes, I always raise my hand saying, and I know that because I've done it. <laughs> Learning from the master. Yeah, we're all going to make them anyway, though, so, you know, we just have to kind of, like you said, learn from our mistakes, definitely. Yep, absolutely. It's the best teacher yes exactly this one's one of my favorite questions ever i want to make an easter beer and was thinking about what to put in it to make it very eastery peeps anybody ever brewed with peeps <laughs> now of course we uh, all know I that those peeps peeps are those like marshmallowy little chicks that uh, you get in easter baskets so yeah i mean all those wonderful little artificial colors of bright pink and right yellow and- right yeah yeah and you know i mean it, it's a fermentable sugar Absolutely. Yeah. And I, and I did a little bit of homework just to see if I could find out, you know, exactly what was in the peeps. And it's really not much more other than sugar. Oh, so, well. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's, there's two other ingredients there that would be a slight concern. And one of them is potassium sorbate, which can inhibit yeast fermentation oh. in large quantities. I doubt there's probably enough in a couple of packages of peeps to really hurt your beer. <laughs> um, and the other ingredient that they throw in there is carnauba wax. Ew. So, and and that's while it's not toxic and it's edible, it could potentially kill your head retention. Yeah, I was gonna say, yeah, definitely. Now, now that being said, you know I don't know that the quantities that they include of those two things in the recipe is enough to really hurt your beer. So I say go for it. Throw a couple of packages of those bad boys in at the tail end of your <laughs> boil so they dissolve. Right. And and see what happens. That's the best part about homebrewing is. You know, throw caution to the wind and give it a shot. Yeah, the you know, Peeps Pale Ale or something like that, right? <laughs> exactly. 
And I love, uh, I mean, if you're going to go for it, you might as well go for the hot pink ones or one of those crazy colors, too. Yeah, get, get something, some really obnoxious color in that beer. I think that would just be hilarious. I would love it. I hope that whoever whoever does that um, can, like, tweet that for us or something like that, because I would love to see the picture after it's done. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think that would be too much fun. So, yeah, why not? Go for the peeps. That's that's a blast. Let's I love do it. it. Yeah, we're talking with <laughs> we're talking with Duke Garen, our homebrew home guru from Epic Steinbart Homebrew Supply, and uh, we're talking about some uh, some fun ideas for uh, for fermentables, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that would be the adjunct category. Yes, indeed, definitely. Yeah, um, and and uh, but finally, the next question is: What's been the most intriguing question you've answered on Beer Clock? That might be it. I- I, I think you, you talking about going out with a bang. I think that's that's probably one of the best ones we've ever gotten. Right next to the bamboo beer, although the bamboo beer wasn't nearly as entertaining. It was, yeah, it was, it was a cool question, but yes. that, the peeps is is hilarious. Yeah, and I was gonna I was gonna bring up the bamboo bamboo beer as well because <laughs> that was another one that I thought was really great. Definitely, I, I, I know that one stuck out in my mind because I know we've talked about it repeatedly, you know, on, on multiple shows. Mm-hmm. So that one keeps coming up in conversation, and when we run into each other in person too. So uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the bamboo beer lives on. Definitely, that, that was a good one. Um, uh, no question. Next question that I know everybody wants to know, and this is actually something that that you can really do at at home. Um, how do you culture yeast from a bottle of beer? And this uh, would this be like. Great- this would be like yeah, something like a- if you get a special beer from like Belgium or something like that, and you're like, oh my gosh, this is amazing. I want to make something like it or something like that, typically, right? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a great thing to do. It's super easy. Um, if you have a growler and a stopper and an airlock, you've basically got what you need to make a starter off of that. Um, what I like to do is I like to prepare a small, simple um, starter solution with a little bit of dry malt extract. You're shooting for about a 1040 starting gravity. You want something that's kind of moderate level of sugars. Um, you know, make sure your, your growler is clean and sterilized. And then decant that um, beer, leaving that sediment in the bottom. Um, and, of course, drink the beer. <laughs> of course, um, yeah. Yeah. Then uh, swirl that sediment up in the bottom of the bottle and add that to your starter solution. Okay, um, so you said you're doing walk- this in a growler, right? Yeah, I use a growler. I fill it about a yeah. half, halfway full with a little bit of, like I said, a, a low-gravity starter wort mm-hmm. and add that in there and just let it go to town. I mean, it will probably take a while before it really takes off and you see any signs. I've, I've had it take as long as anywhere from five to seven days. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, if you've got an Erlenmeyer flask and a stir plate, that's obviously going to go a lot faster. And I know some of you guys out there that do your own starters have probably invested in that. So those of you that do have that, you expect to see some activity much, much quicker. Um, but you don't so, have to. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's, it's fantastic. You don't have to. Like I said, a growler stopper and an airlock, and you're you're on your way there. That sounds the awesome. Thing I would, yeah, the only thing I recommend is don't use any um, – I wouldn't recommend going with beers that have bugs in them meaning pedo-lacto-Britannomyces. Uh, Got it. And that's because, yeah, and that's because when they when they pitch those in the fermenters, they're using very specific uh, pitching rates of those organisms. And over time, the rates will change in the fermenter. So what you get as a sediment in the bottle may not be what they actually pitched in the beer to start the fermentation Ooh, going. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, Duke, thank you so much. Thank you, Lisa. And we'll have more Beer Clock right after this on the Radio Northwest Network.
There aren't too many pubs that are true legends, but the Horse Brass Pub in the Beer Cultural Center of Portland is one of those places. You know, the Horse Brass Pub has been at the forefront of the good beer movement for more than 37 years. Even before there were really craft brewers in Oregon, the Horse Brass was already tapped into the newest imports and combing the globe for great beer. That pioneering spirit is still going strong at the Brass. Consistently listed among the top tap houses in the world, the Horse Brass is a beer mecca. But still has the heart of a neighborhood pub. Find out for yourself. With more than 50 beers on tap and even more in the bottle, a great food menu, knowledgeable servers, and old world charm, it's easy to see why people from near and far come to this legendary place to drink in everything that the Horse Brass Pub has to offer. It's not every day you run into a true legend, but you can anytime you want at the Horse Brass Pub at 4534 Southeast Belmont Street. Right in the heart of Birvana. It's Beer Clock, the show for people who love great beer. Brought to you by the Horse Brass Pub, the heart of Birvana for 38 years. I'm Lisa Morrison, the beer goddess, and I'm your loyal barkeep. This and every week here in our virtual pub. You know, we have been meeting here for six years now, and we have also been named one of the top three beer radio shows in the country. You know, that couldn't have happened without the help of our sponsors, so let's give them a shout out. F.H. Steinbart's Homebrew Supply, Hopworks Urban Brewery, The Horse Brass Pub, Belmont Station Bottle Shop and Beer Cafe, and Lompoc Beer. Please give these folks your business and thank them for giving craft beer a voice. It's last call, folks, and that means it's time for our beer of the week. This one is a collaboration between Good Life Brewing and Terminal Gravity. It's called G2, as in the number two. And Kevin Harlander of Terminal Gravity is here to tell us more. Hi, Kevin. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks for being with us today. So, this is the first time in a while that Terminal Gravity has embarked on a collaboration. Yeah, it's been kind of a long hiatus. We did one back a few years ago with Double Mountain.、Um, And、uh, just、uh, got on the horn with these guys at Good Life. Really, really liked what they were doing in the market.、Um, putting out some very, very good, very good beer.、Um, and, you know, we've, we've got some, some deep connections there. One of their head brewers, Patio, who a lot of people in the brewing industry know, worked、Patio. with our head brewer, Frank,、uh-huh. um, way back in the day、um, up in Seattle. And,、uh, you know, just similar, similar brands,、um, not necessarily similar beer.、Uh-huh. Um, so that's kind of why we want to come together. and And kind of smash those two things together and, and、uh, make some great beer from, from a, a new partnership and sort of a new friendship. Yeah, no, that's great. Now,、um, what's the story behind the name G2? So basically, what we did, we were sitting around having a couple beers talking about this thing, and we knew we wanted to make an Imperial Red.、Um, so we took obviously Terminal Gravity and then, and then、uh, Good Life Brewing and came up with sort of Good Gravity. So essentially, <laughs> it's, it's sort of G squared, essentially. And,、uh, Yeah, we just really, really liked it and、uh, made some pretty cool artwork from it. And、uh, the liquid itself is, is pretty dang good. We're pretty proud of it. Yeah. Now, what made you guys decide on an Imperial Red? Well, we both, you know, had, had focused on two sort of similar styles there Sweet Ass Pacific Ale and then、um, their Descender IPA. And then we, of course, have our core brands like TG IPA and ESG. So we, we wanted to do something that we hadn't really done before.、Um, they have their red side. IRA, and, and we've never really done or experimented with an Imperial Red before. So,、mm-hmm. um, like all things, these guys are pretty creative, so it's fun to kind of come together and, and do something new. And 
we kind of put a hoppy rendition on a, on a classic imperial red recipe, and uh, there you have it. Sounds delicious. Now, um, you guys, the way you guys handled it is one of you basically brewed the draft and the other one did the bottles, right? Yeah, actually, you know, we traveled, each brewery um, traveled to the other brewery. So all the Good Life guys came all the way out to Enterprise and all the TG guys came to to Bend and Good Life. And we each brewed with each other on on each other's system. And we handled all the drafts and yeah, they're they're releasing in 22-ounce bottles and we collaborated really on all ends. Um, we had some TG guys and, and myself worked on sort of the label art and that sort of thing. And um, so, really, you know, along the along the lines of the collaboration, we we wanted to do it all together. And so, we we just had our release event over at Bailey's Tap Room uh, together, and mm-hmm. we'll do a couple more here coming up. And the beers the beers moving fast already. It's been in the market for a few days. Uh, folks are starting to like it. So. All right. Sounds great. A real true collaboration. And uh, it was between um, Terminal Gravity and uh, Good Life Brewing. It's called G2 Imperial Red, and it's our Beer of the Week. Festivals, tastings, and other celebrations. It's time to find out what's on tap. Sponsored by F.H. Steinbart Company, where if you can drink it, you can make it. On Thursday, February 26th from 5 to 7 p.m., it's a tasting of ecliptic beers at Belmont Station. The dynamic Erin Gray Kimplin, who you've heard, heard several times on the radio show here, uh, she has joined the team over at Ecliptic, and um, she is going to be in the bottle shop for a tasting of Ecliptic Brewing's bottled beers. She will be launching the Ecliptic Spica Pills rather, and the Orbiter IPA, plus also providing samples of Ort Imperial Stout and Phobos Single Hop Red Ale. And, of course, there will be something tasty being poured in the beer cafe at the same time, uh, of course. And then on Saturday, February 28th, from 1 to 6 p.m., it's the Stout Bout at Berlick Brewing. Um, it's a whole all homebrew style, stout styles only, a homebrew competition presented by the Portland Brewers Collective and BJCP um, sanctioned. And if even if you're not a homebrewer, they still invite you to come down, join them for some handcrafted beer fun. Now, on Saturday, February 28th as well, from 2 to 4 p.m., Grateful Deaf Tapping and Fundraiser at Belmont Station to help um, Ken Fisher make his... Uh, annual pilgrimage to uh, to Europe to do some gypsy brewing. Well, it's closing time, and I leave you this week with a quote from H.L. Mencken. There are two impossibilities in life, just one drink and an honest politician. Well, that's it for Beer Clock this week. I'm Lisa Morrison reminding you that life is short, so make sure to drink that good stuff while you can. Be awesome, laugh often, and until next time, cheers, everybody.